0: Hello everyone and welcome to the newest episode of the On the Sidelines podcast, the official sports podcast of MTSU Sidelines where we bring you all of your MTSU sports news. I'm Calvin White, that's Jenna Roberts, Christian Skelton, TJ Warner. This week we're going to dive into the last week of Blue Raider men's and women's basketball. We're going to start with the MTSU women's basketball game versus UTSA. Jenna, we'll start with you. What did you see out of the Lady Raiders?
1: Um, it was an interesting one, yeah. Yeah. Uh we held a tight lead for mo- the majority of the first half uh, against UTSA. However, we couldn't really get shots to fall very well. I mean, we had the most three-point a- attempts that all season, 54 at that, and uh, 70 field goal, 75 field goal attempts. So shots just weren't falling for us that night. I mean, it was a weird game. Uh, I remember us I talking about that, weird play calls and stuff. But it just comes down to not being able to defend, and it – it was just a tough game. We ended up losing 58
0: to 53. Yeah. Yeah, UTSA came out, you know, that 2-3 zone, kind of threw a curveball at the Lady Raiders, you know. And, you know, zone defenses, zone defenses are designed to make you shoot outside shots. And, you know, usually there's shots we hit. But in this game, we didn't have, we had shot takers. We didn't have shot makers.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Like having 54 threes, like. I don't think I've ever seen a team really shoot that many threes ever. And like, only make 10 of them. Yeah. Yeah, they don't that, make that, them. Is, that is insane to me to see that. And 75 field goals and only shooting uh, 22% from the field. That, that is also insane. Like you said, shot takers, not shot makers. That's something that they definitely cannot do the rest of the season if they want to If they want to win out and possibly be ranked heading into Conference USA tournament play.
3: Yeah, kind of piggybacking up on uh, what you all said. We only led like 22 to 21 at the half, so you are kind of like, ugh uh uh, halftime but it was weird because we opened the third quarter on like an 11 to 2 run you're thinking okay and maybe we'll pull away now and we'll be good but they just UTSA just got hot again just came right back at us Uh, they took the lead on an and one with a little under seven minutes to go and that seemed like that kind of gave them the momentum they needed to pull away
1: I think our mindset wasn't right too after losing the UTEP I think that was a huge thing for the players and also I remember um I think it was Jalen Gregory saying that uh they just didn't handle being on top that well. I think that is always a big factor. I mean, you have to work even harder because people, because everyone you're playing is working harder against you.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of changing sports. It's kind of like Nick Saban says, you know, once you climb the mountain, you become the mountain. Rick Ensell talked about it <coughs> whenever they first got ranked. You know, once you're ranked, those teams are going to play, you know, 15 points better than what they are. You have to survive that swing, and then you can play basketball. And for the second game in a row, they didn't survive that swing. When you look at the specialty stats, you know we had offen- nineteen offensive rebounds and we forced twenty turnovers. You know when you look at stats like that, you should be able to win games.
2: Yeah, and and like you guys said, when you're on top of the mountain, like you're gonna have a target on your back every every single game. Everyone wants to take down the giant, and you you are officially the giant at that point. And I think it was also a thing of possibly look overlooking UTSA. I mean, because they're only four nine in conference play. They're not they're not the greatest of teams by any means. So uh-huh. this is this is a bad loss for sure for MTSU Lady Raiders, but. I mean, coming off that UTEP loss, I bet they just assume that they're just going to walk into UTSA and just kind of handle their business and go back home. But obviously that didn't happen, losing like 58-53. Yeah, I was just about to say, like, they probably came into this game thinking,
3: you know, oh, it's UTSA, this will be a good game for us to get back on track, just kind of, you know, sleepwalk through it. But obviously that did not happen at all.
0: And, you know, it was a totally different, you know, outcome transitioning into the men's game versus UTSA. You know, MTSU won 84-60. When they went on two different runs, you know, fourteen to three run and a sixteen to three run in the second half to you know run away. You know, eighty four points isn't usually what we see out of the men's team.
2: Yeah, you're right. And if you if you look at the box score for all the guys, I mean, there wasn't really a, a potential like one man leading score. Everyone got everyone got their share. Everyone got their piece. We had three guys with thirteen points, but everyone was contributing in the right ways in this game, and it's just a full on team effort, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and it's like we talked about last week. You know, MTSU went 7 for 13 from three-point range in the second half. You know, when they're knocking down outside shots like that, especially, against guess, UTSA's 2-3 zone that they came out in, once you're knocking down outside shots, you know, that kind of opens things up for, you know, DeAndre Dishman to attack the rim or for the slashes from the three-point line to attack the rim.
3: Yeah, especially in the second half, uh, we, we came out just firing on all cylinders. And, like, the one thing that really impressed me in this, our defense really impressed me in this game. It, it seemed like we were really get, causing them problems. Uh, and, you know, and anytime you're able to check in a couple walk-ons at the end of a conference game, it's it's a good, good outcome for you most of the time.
0: Yeah, and UTSA is the worst defensive rebounding team in the conference. You know, yeah. We were able to grab 44 total rebounds and 20 offensive rebounds yep. and force 20 turnovers for 27 points. You know, when you have those long athletes out there, Eli Lawrence, Justin Buford, Tyler Millen, you know, they're able to get, you know, hands on balls, knock them out for transition dunks. You know, that's what this team's designed to do is, you know, get out and run. They're not going to beat you in half-court offense.
2: Yeah, and, and obviously looking at this UTSA game, MTSU should have won. But when you look at it afterwards and you're like, all you right, cool. Should have won by more. Or, cool. Yeah, we, we won by 24, but like you could have won by more easily, no yeah, doubt, doubt about don't. it. Really could have, yeah.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a big game. You know, especially when they had that two-game skid down in Florida. You know, getting a couple games like this, they played close games all season. So, you know, you know they're itching to get, you know, those big blowout wins just to, you know, kind of feel good a little bit.
2: Yeah, kind of get back on track. Because um, they, they have a couple of hard games coming up here soon. So, that this is a this is a definitely a confidence booster for sure.
0: Yeah, between, you know, Saturday and Thursday, transitioning to women's basketball versus Western last night. MTSU won 94-81 without Courtney Whitson, got, and got down double digits early. Jenna, we'll start with you again. What did you see out of that game last night?
1: Um, a lot of physicality. I'm going to start there. It was a really intense game, and a, a shootout, 94-81. to 81. I mean, that is that is ridiculous. Um, Savannah Wheeler scored her season high, I think career high at uh, MTSU, 37 points, 11 for 16 shooting, and that is that is insane. Like she, she had an, an excellent game, I think, making up last two games that she did but um yeah it was really intense i mean there was a lot of fouling if you if you watch the game like it was just mm-hmm. so it's it, i mean it's a rivalry game i mean yeah. you kind of expect that kind of stuff but it was a really intense game i think that we're all on the edge of our seats the entire time
2: yeah she got to play the game she wants to play too she like yeah. she likes to drive and, and get create content and get fouled she had 15 free throws i mean that that's the game savannah wheeler wants to play if you look at her last year she was a conference usa leading scorer at marshall we knew she, she could take over games and do stuff like this. I mean, she averaged over 20 points per game last year. And we were just kind of waiting for that coming out party to have that game where she just, like, completely takes over. And she finally did that. I think that's a big step for her and for this team going in the long run, in the, going into Conference USA play, knowing that, hey, your leading point guard now can take over a game if she has to.
0: Yeah, that's what that's what Rick Ensel and the staff brought her in to do. You know, 37 points is three points shy of her career high. She scored 40 against Oakland last year at Marshall, and the rim was looking very large last night. And 94 points is a season high. Yeah. And 94 points in Division One college basketball is going to win you a lot of games, especially when you look at how Western started. I did the math. With, like, five minutes left in the first quarter, Western Kentucky was on pace to score, like, 136 points. So, <laughs> I, you know, definitely buckled down on defense a little yeah. bit.
1: Yeah. They had, um, like – school record of 16 three-pointers in one game. And I feel like most of those were scored in the first half anyway. I mean, first quarter in the first three minutes. It was ridiculous. I mean, I was sitting there kind of (laughs) scared watching all those three-pointers fall for them. I mean, it was insane.
0: And, uh, you know, as you're watching, you kind of get annoyed because, you know, a lot of those threes came at the end of the shot clock. You know, you play 25 seconds of good defense and then, you know, they find just one gap and throw up a prayer and it goes in. You know, I couldn't tell you how many, you know, hit the back iron and Hit off the rim six or seven times and bounced in. You know, sometimes, sometimes those just don't go your way. Yeah, going back to Savannah Wheeler,
3: one thing she did last night that I've never seen in a game before: she had not one four point play, but two four point plays. Like I've I've never seen that in a game before. And uh, yeah, like y'all are saying, she had, she had seventeen at the half. Um, another thing I found interesting about this game, the score at the end of the first quarter was the score at halftime of the UTSA game it was twenty-two to twenty-one.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, <laughs> I noticed
2: that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of points scored in this one for sure, and it, it was just, it was just nice to see that Savannah is back on track to where I feel like she, she's going to be able to take over games in the future if she has to. I, I think if you're Rick Insel, too, you're also looking at that like, okay, we got my leader in the point guard back. Courtney Whitson was out, our, our glue veteran piece, but Savannah, when, when that happens, she can step up and take, take her spot.
0: And it wasn't – they weren't heat-check shots, you know. They yeah. were coming in the flow of the offense. You know, they were good shots. Yeah. A lot of the – I mean, a lot of them were very open. You know, she would take the open threes, get fouled, get right to the rim. You know, she gets to the rim very well for someone her size and finishes around She the really rim. does, yeah.
1: And I think we should also note, like, obviously Savannah played an excellent game, but I feel like every, like, everyone really was on their game last yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Alexis Whittington had, did a, had a double-double, 13 points and 10 rebounds. Um, Tamiya Scott grabbed seven rebounds in 15 minutes. She, she did an excellent job. I mean, Jalen Gregory, 19 points. They, I feel like everyone was really doing well last night. Courtney Blakely, she played an excellent game. It was a really good night for the lady Raiders.
0: Yeah. And I don't want to let Tamiya Scott go without her credit for this game. You know, without Courtney Whitson, your leading rebounder in conference play. You know, Courtney Witson averages eight, eight rebounds a game in conference play. We were getting out rebounded by, you know, close to double digits. You know, Rick Ensel puts Tamia Scott in, and she comes in immediately, just straight to the ball. You know, just ripping boards down. I mean, she grabbed a lot of key rebounds that you know led to fast break points and other points. Yeah, I
2: wouldn't be surprised if she's a key piece that they're trying to transition her into later in the season. Even coming off of the bench with Courtney Whitson out right now, especially trying to get her some more key playing time Uh, with conference USA play tournament coming up. I I wouldn't be surprised if she starts starts to be a, a another piece coming off the bench for Rick Ensel though late.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's she does not, she doesn't not play because she's not talented enough. She's very talented. Oh, absolutely. She just sure. doesn't play because there's seven other yeah. basically starters in front of her.
1: Do we know how long Courtney Witz is going to be out?
0: We don't. I didn't know she was out until yesterday, right before the game. Yeah, me neither. You know, I would assume. I mean, you, know, you never know with ankle injuries whether it's yeah. you know, high sprain, low sprain, or if it's even a sprain at all. So, you know, they're definitely going to need Courtney Whitson back no matter how long she's out Tournament for. I might have seen her. Did she have a boot on
3: last night? Yeah, yeah she okay. had a boot on. So.
1: A little mini one.
0: As of right now, there's no timetable for Courtney Woodson.
1: I think this game was just really important, not just for conference, but just for the team in general. I feel like it was really good for them confidence-wise, working together, being able to do it without Courtney Woodson I think was a big thing too, just for them. They'll just get
3: back on track for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the women improved in 19-4 overall in 12-2 and 2 in conference play. You know, I said it last week. That turned out to be a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) But really, you know, Rick Ensel said last night, he said they thought they killed us in Texas, but they just woke us up. That was great. I feel very bad for whoever has to play (laughs) the Raiders the rest of the season. You know, because, you know, after they got ranked, that was a whole, you know, that was a whole ordeal. But now, you know, they can tell that they're they're done messing around. They're just
2: going to be playing pissed off the rest of the year. Yeah, there's – and this Western Kentucky win, let's not talk about it like it's something very light. Western Kentucky is probably the second or third best team in the conference. Yeah, say. Sure. According according to Conference USA rankings, they're second with 10-4 and four in conference play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's debatable. Maybe UTEP's better than them or not. But I, I think this is a really good win for the Lady Raiders either way. I don't care if it's at home. I know I give us a probably 10 points at home better than any other team. But I, I think this is still a really good win over the Lady Toppers.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Western gives them – problems just about every year, no matter how good or bad they are. So, you know, it's always a good win. when You can beat Western whether it's home or on the road. Sure. Now we have to move to the elephant in the room. MTSU men's basketball gives up 93 points to Western Kentucky and also scored 89. But in my opinion, when you score 89 points, you should not lose a basketball game. Probably not. MTSU scored 50 points in the second half on 17 for 29 from the floor and 8 for 12 from three-point range. There there, used to be a time where we would beg for the men's basketball team to hit eight three-pointers in a game. Uh-huh. But, you know, when you give up 93 points and you have that many defensive lapses, you're not going to beat a good team like Western on the road.
2: <laughs> no, and uh, you talk about MTSU. They had five guys in double figures. They, they were 12 for 22 from three. That's 54.5%. I mean, <laughs> they shot the ball really well. Obviously, they did. They scored 89 points. But giving up 93 points to the Hilltoppers, that's just that's inexcusable. With a team that should pride themselves so much on the defensive side of the floor, that's just an inexcusable part of the game. Yeah, and, I mean, if you told him to issue
3: before the game you're going to score 89 points, they're probably going to say, oh, okay, so we won. But, you know, obviously when you give up 93 points, you're, you're not going to win many basketball games.
0: Yeah, well, um, Davion McKnight for Western Kentucky, 33 points. You know, that's tied for the most points a player <coughs> scored against MTSU this season. He was getting whatever he wanted. You know he's a smooth player. He gets he gets to his spots, and when you can get to your spots, you know as as a player you know that you have a pretty good chance of scoring. When you can get where you want to go, yeah,
2: got to his spots and then got to the free throw line too. I mean he was thirteen for thirteen from the free throw line. Let's let's not discredit that. He got to his spots and then created contact and was able to get to the line as well.
0: Yeah, Western Kentucky as a team was twenty seven for twenty nine at the free throw line, including sixteen for eighteen after halftime. Western Kentucky made eighteen more free throws than MTSU. You know, when you have a team that's, you know, got those slashers and people that, you know, love their their primary play style is to get to the rim and you're not getting to the free throw line, you know, I, not a lot of good things are going to happen, especially when, you know, we talk a lot about how they used to not hit outside shots. But when – if they can find a way to hit those outside shots and get to the free throw line, they're going to beat a lot of good teams. Cam Weston had 14 points in a career-high tying and 10 assists – Elias King scored 15 of his career-high 20 points after halftime. Eli Lawrence scored a team-high 21 points grabbed a game-high 7 rebounds. Eli Lawrence is now 3 points away from 1,000 career points. Oh. but That's I, an
2: interesting fact to throw out, too. I mean, you can't discredit that. Eli mm-hmm. obviously is going to break that more than likely next game. Yeah. But, I mean, that, that's, that's a huge accomplishment for him.
0: Yeah, Eli Lawrence is turning into the team's go-to scorer. You know, up until a couple weeks ago, that I don't feel like they had a guy that you could throw the ball to and say, go score. Because they are they don't have an elite scorer. You know, Eli Lawrence is turning into that. But up until a couple of weeks ago, every, you know, they would have seven or eight guys score seven or eight points, and they would just outgrind you. Yeah. But, you know, if they can have a guy like that that can go get you a basket whenever you need it, that's going to be huge.
2: Yeah, especially during, like I keep bringing it up, Conference USA tournament play, that, that's going to be a big, thing for especially the Blue Raiders here because if they if they can make it through and somehow get to the semifinals and maybe we re- of event that triple overtime loss they had last year in the tournament and try to get to the championship game Eli Lawrence is gonna have to be the guy that can step up and take those shots to get you there I mean just think about it when we when we lost triple overtime last year we we just got in situations where we just couldn't score in the in the last <laughs> overtime and didn't have our little go-to guy like Josh Jefferson or Donovan Sims was our go-to guy last year, or you could argue DeAndre Dishman was. But those guys were just kind of, like, irrelevant in that situation. We can't have Eli Lawrence be that this year for us.
0: Yeah, that last year's tournament really hurt not having Josh Jefferson for the whole thing because, you know, he was a guy that could go get you a bucket. Now, Eli, Eli Lawrence is turning into that. But what worries me is this was a game that you had to have. You know, after last night, they're tied for, you know, third or fourth in the conference, and I'm not sure how many winnable games they have left. You know, they still have to go to UAB tomorrow. They have to play FAU back here at home. They have to play FIU again, who's already beat them once. And they have to go to North Texas. Very tough stretch. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm just not sure how many winnable games they have left. And, you know, that, that top four seed and double bye in the conference tournament huge. is huge. You know, when you, when you ask a team to win four games in four days, you know, that's, that's a tough ask. So, if in your opinion, how many games do you think they need to win to stay in the top four? Well, I, I think FAU, unless they just free fall, has pretty much locked up the number one seed. I also think North Texas has locked up the two because if UAB would have got Northwest, you know, UAB took North Texas to double overtime last night. If UAB would have got North Texas, it would have definitely opened things up. You know, UAB would be ahead of MTSU right now, but it would still leave that that number two spot open for North Texas to possibly fall out, but... As long as you get the, you know, the top top four seed, you get that double bye, and then uh, you can kind of, you know, survey the competition those first couple of days in Frisco, it, it'll be big. Yeah, yeah. And,
3: right, and right now you're, you're straight up tied with UAB, so Saturday is a very big game for the Blue Raiders. Yeah, yeah.
2: and there's FIU right behind them, too, with 7-7, seven and seven, so that game also yeah. later in the season is going to be <laughs> a big game as well, depending on seeding matchups towards the end.
0: Yeah, and, you know, that game at North Texas, I, that's tough. No, sure. Anybody goes to North Texas. You know, North Texas is a very hard place to play. It's a very good basketball team. You know, the last time we played North Texas, they were statistically the slowest team in the country. They play at the slowest pace in all of Division One basketball. They were the 363rd slowest team in the country. Or fast Fastest? <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, they were the slowest. Yeah, they're very <laughs> slow.
3: They're very slow. They, use, they, they <laughs> use the entire clock.
0: And, you know, MTSU is not built to play like that. They're not built to, you know, just stand there for yeah. 30 seconds. They want to get out and run. And, you know, North Texas doesn't make mistakes. You know, they're very efficient and they're very slow. So I'm not sure how many winnable games they have left. You know, they're really going to have to buckle down for that top four seed. Sure. All right, that will wrap up this week's episode of On the Sidelines, the official sports podcast of MTSU Sidelines, where we bring you all of you MTSU sports news. I'm Calvin White. That's Jenna Roberts, Christian Skelton, TJ Warner. Join us next week for our newest episode of On the Sidelines.